Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Um, it's Friday. Thank God. Um, you know, even though I don't work at a nine to five job five days a week, um, you know, it certainly has been a pretty stressful and trying time here. And um, I don't know, Fridays always seem special for some reason, um, mainly because I did work at a nine to five job for 26 years um, at Procter & Gamble. And you know, Fridays were always special. So Fridays for us is steak night. What we call steak night. We usually have steak and wine and um, kind of just sit and talk about the things that have happened during the week. And I'm sure this Friday evening will be no different, although we will not have the wine because of the medications my husband's on. But uh, it'll still be fun. We'll still have uh, a steak and, and talk about the accomplishments that we've had this week. Uh, one of the accomplishments, I actually opened Word and started typing on book four yesterday. So I had left it in the middle of a scene um, where uh, Jenkins and Nicole and Sean are meeting with the Queen of England. And um, I basically had to go back and read where I was going with this. And like I said, thank God I take notes because <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> what where I was going with it now so I may just leave that scene for uh alone for a minute and and go off and, and write in something else but um it was nice to open that up and, and start typing a few words I could start to feel that creative juice start to flow through my crown and and uh, it was really really good uh to have that happen one of the things that's coming up at the end of the month on October 30th is I will be um, at the Midpoint Library in Middletown, Ohio, giving a talk about self-publishing and um, talking about the fun fundamentals of self-publishing, some of the things that you'll need. I mentioned one uh, thing that I use, one, one piece of software that I use um, called Grammarly. Uh, that is probably the best investment I think I've made yet. Uh, I also use... Um, a couple other things that I'll get into talking about here shortly. But, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to say was self-publishing or painting or, or any of our creative in, in pursuits, I think the most important thing, and I, and I always thought this was like, you know, all are just saying that type of uh, comment, but, you know, you have to create for yourself. You have to do this because you love doing it. Um, you know, if you're doing this because you think that you'll get, you know, a thousand or five thousand likes on Facebook or, you know, um, there's some kind of reward at the end of of doing this, uh, you're in it for the wrong reason. And I used to laugh at people when they said that, because typically the ones that are saying it are the people that have thousands of followers and, you know, uh, want to paint like them or want to write like them, you know, like you know, the, the big names, you know. But if you really look at what they're doing, they're doing it because they love doing it. And that's where we, that's, that's where I am now. It's competitions don't really interest me anymore. Um, it's a nice, you know, congratulations. Your work is, is worth looking at type of, of thing, but um, I, I'm not into the competition part as much as I used to be. Um I mean, it, it does feel good when you win, but, you know, like I said, I, I'm doing this more for myself than I am for for anything else. And, and I guess the last couple of weeks have really pointed that out, that I need to have a couple hours a day where I'm writing or 
a few hours, half a day, full day devoted to painting and writing. And I think my happiest times are when I'm either painting with my palette knives in my hands in my studio, or I'm sitting in front of my computer um, typing out a scene or two or three uh, on on my uh, in, in Word. So with that, let me talk a little bit about um, my process. And um, I'll talk about it in an art way and you know, in a painting way and also in a, in a uh, writing way. So basically, uh, my day starts out with me um, probably posting a little snippet like this out to my blog or um, you know, sharing it on Facebook and a, a couple other social media sites and um, kind of browsing through Facebook and stuff. And that's with my cup of tea or my my yogurt and granola mixed together or, you know, glass of water or whatever. Uh, and then I typically will um, open up my Word document that is the fourth book and um, just have that open for a while without even doing anything. It's like staring at a blank canvas trying to figure out where you're going to put all the pieces. Um, I'll figure out if I need to do some research before I start writing on a scene that I'm going to be doing. And if that's the case, then I'll start to do some of the research. And before the accident, what typically happened was uh, that I would then go downstairs and work out and get those creative juices flowing. I'd come back up, finish up the research, figure out what it is that I wanted to write about. And then I would just um, take a shower, get some lunch, and my afternoon is, was spent writing. So I would have three or four hours in which I could write, you know, five to 7,000 words per day. And the current book for free write is about 101,000 words uh, to give you some idea about how thick uh, that would be if I printed it off. Blind Influence, Blind Persuasion, and Blind Alliance all were approximately 85,000 words, so 300 and some pages. So you can tell that I've got this huge free write with a bunch of scenes in it, but I probably won't be using all those scenes. And I will probably be rearranging some of those scenes to get a, a little bit more mystery and suspense into the book. Um, so right now, everything seems to be happening chronologically. And um, the interesting part of that is uh, I'm at the point where I'm going to need to actually step back and write some scenes uh, with Baker and I mean, I'm sorry, with Barker and uh, Harrison, maybe um, maybe there's a couple scenes there that I want to capture that'll end up going into the book. And they may end up as deleted scenes as well. I'm you know, not really sure at this point. In Excel, I have a timeline. And in that timeline is where I'm plugging in certain historical events that are happening during this trilogy. And then I'm plugging in a certain key plot points that happen with my characters. And then I'm plugging in maybe some additional fictional things that I want to happen so that I get this nice timeline all set up and I refer back to that. So this timeline starts actually like, gosh, at Peter Atkins' birth um, and, you know, his marriage. And so, you know, it's my like my oldest character and what happened during his life all the way through to what is going on now. So this timeline is huge. <laughs> if I ever printed it out in Excel, which I don't do um, because it is so huge, 
I, I'm, I'm not sure if it'd be an inch long or whatever, but it has all kind of historical dates in it and um, both fictional and non-fictional dates. And it's, it's kind of nice to refer back to that. And one of the things I need to do before I start to pull the book together is actually go through that timeline and make sure uh, things are occurring where I want them to occur. That will spur on new scenes and um, that that that's just a continuing circle of creativity that happens. So, so far I've used, or I've told you I've used a couple tools. One is Microsoft Word, that's where I write my free write. The other is Excel. So I get to the point where I wanna pull the book together. And again, I do that in Microsoft Word and there are some templates that are available from CreateSpace. So I got to CreateSpace, I decide what template I want, I download that and then I start cutting and pasting um, the scenes into the book. Get that all done, get the scenes in, the chapters, the, the little uh, snippet, little sub-chapters if you want to call them that, get them all in place in the way that I want them to be. And then I spend about two weeks reading through that book. So not my free write, but the book itself. And I start taking notes. Does this make sense? Is it flowing right? The things that I'm telling, the things that I'm telling them here, does it make sense? Is it flowing? Can, is it suspenseful? Um, how else can I make it more suspenseful? Do I need to tell my reader this particular thing at this point? What happens if I take this scene out? Does it, does it take away from the story? Does it add to the story? So I'm going through that with a fine tooth comb. And then I will go through it again with Grammarly, correcting all the grammar mistakes that I may not have find, found at that point. Um, I also take notes, I'm trying, I'm trying to think through my process. I also take notes about, um, you know, do I need to add a scene? Is there a scene here that's missing? And I'll type it right up there in that book. So again, Grammarly helps because I'm just typing free write basically inside the book again, but it's an important scene that needs to happen that helps explain something, or it maybe leads my, my reader in a different direction that will later become a plot twist. Um, so that's where the organization happens. And that's probably, you know, that's a good month. That's a good month that I spend doing that. So then it gets to the point where it's um, somewhat finished. I'm thinking it's somewhat finished, probably wrongly thinking it's somewhat finished. Uh, and then I take that, that um, book draft and I send that out to my editor, Sonia, and she spends a good couple weeks um, reading over it. So she'll read over it three or four times. Uh, trying to make sure in each pass that, you know, what I'm saying is comprehensible, you know, catching any uh, errors that, that may still exist, uh, grammatically, um, spelling, um, you know, anything that I possibly could miss. It's so great to have a second pair of eyes look at this. And at this point, too, other artists, other authors, I don't particularly do this, but other artists or authors uh, 
send them out to what they call their beta readers. Um, some people will employ a professional editor. Some people will skip the professional editor and go right in for the beta readers. And and in, within their beta reader uh, community, they have people who are you know good editors that will catch grammatic mistakes and spelling mistakes and you know. Oh, this should be a semicolon instead of a comma and all that. There are people that are you know, great beta readers that will do that. Um, I just like working with my editor one-on-one -on -one with that, so I don't really um, employ beta readers that much, but it certainly is uh, a, a well-tried and true method um, among independent self-publishers. So that's something that you can strive to do is create beta readers. Uh, if you would rather go that way. I personally prefer uh, and think that a, a there's no replacement for a great editor. So while that's being edited, what I typically do is I get my cover design together. So that for that, what I use is InDesign with Adobe. Um, I use um, either images that my husband has taken or um, I purchase images and, and then manipulate them uh, and so it doesn't look anything like the image that I, I purchased the rights to, but that's okay. And then uh, I typically will then go um, into Photoshop and start to create my cover. And then I use InDesign to actually make the book cover, spine, and back cover. So the front and back cover and the spine are, are done in InDesign after I have created what I want as my front cover, uh, JPEG, if you will in Photoshop. I put all that together. I load it up to CreateSpace. And then in CreateSpace, I uh, load up the, the PDF, the Word, I save, it, I save the Word document out as a PDF, and um, print that out. So while Sonia's doing her editing, I get a draft print book. And I go through that and highlight areas that I want to change. So I get a feeling of it. It's just a draft book. I would never let anybody else see this at this point because I don't have my editor information in, in there. But then I take that um, book and I go through and read it like I'm reading a regular book. And it's amazing how many more things jump out as things I need to change. So I sit there with my little highlighter and I'm highlighting this and I have in the margins written notes. And, you know, I may have another notebook with me where I write down, you know, on page 25, I need to do this. And, you know, maybe I need to add a character. I reference a character here, but we don't know who that is. Um, with this new set of trilogy, uh, this new trilogy that's coming out, I have a whole new set of characters. There's a number of new Russian characters, uh, Soviet Union um, characters that, because it's 1980, uh, 81. Um, yeah, so there's a whole new set of characters. So now I need to, you know, make sure that I have the characters reacting the way they are. Because halfway through the free write, I kind of changed who I wanted one of the characters to be, realized that I, I messed up that way. And, and, so I, I need to go back and fix that before I even start working on the book, um, pulling it together for the book. So that that's my first run through. I get the information back from my editor. I go in, look at each of her comments, make the changes I need to make, make the changes I need to make from my reading my draft book, load that PDF up, and I send off for another draft book. And I go through with my highlighter and catch any of the lasting mistakes, <laughs> last few mistakes that may be in there. Um, decide whether or not I'm at the point where I want to publish. If I'm at the point where I want to publish, then, um, and there are no other I issues or errors that I need to fix, I go ahead and then, 
you know, start to publish that. So that's all done on CreateSpace. And then there's this whole ebook Kindle thing. Uh, so at this point, I have a template for a paperback book. I don't have a template for an ebook. My paperback book will not look good in an e-reader. So I go back then and create the e-reader book, the e-book, um, so that it is presented in, in a Kindle or in a, a you know, somebody's iPad that they're reading it on, they're reading the PDF, so that it appears uh, to be as streamlined as it possibly can um, and an easy read. Um, E-readers are kind of tricky. Uh, some of them require a certain type of file. Kindle provides all of that uh, when you upload your PDF file to it. So I have a PDF file that really doesn't have a lot of carriage returns. It doesn't have um, very many blank pages. You know, it's all basically uh, in there very quick. Page breaks are used and not cursor returns. And so it's... Um, it's a, it's a bit tricky with it with the e-reader. Um, there are some conversion tools out there that you can use um, that may actually help with that. Uh, I tend to just go through it and, and do it myself uh, in Word. Um, I used to use Calibre, for example, um, but that ended up taking up way too much time. So <laughs> I, I basically don't use that uh, anymore. And so then I get I get them published at Kindle, I get it published at CreateSpace, and uh, I use the wider distribution at CreateSpace. So the paperback itself is out at Barnes and Noble. I use KDB, KDP Select, which means that I have to be exclusive to Amazon. So my ebook only stays out in uh, Amazon, and my paperback goes out to uh, a number of different places. And uh, that's pretty much it for the software and the process. So um, that way, it gives you kind of an idea. I'll be talking more in depth on a number of these things, maybe even um, show a little bit of the screen captures or whatever in my talk on October 30th at uh, Midpoint Library. Uh, check with the library to find out the time and uh, information there. Um, Painting-wise, the the process, like I said, you know, these are so similar. Sometimes, you know, the you stand in front of a blank canvas, just like you stand in front of a white, you know, piece of paper, um, and you just you begin to start planning out the novel. You begin to start planning out the painting. Um, I use a, a couple different methods uh, that uh, I find very helpful when I'm painting. One of them is um, the rule of thirds and the other if it's something very very tricky um, you know like a person or a portrait or something like that I tend to use a grid to help with I'm not the best drawler in the world <laughs> and so I, I'm not ashamed to say that I will use um, a, a grid to, to help me get that that feeling of correctness um, and then I'll use uh, I'll paint in value uh, study, a value study. I don't want to use any more than four values uh, if I can help it. If I can use less, I'm even more happy. So while I'm painting in a grayscale, I'm usually telling myself, okay, this is all going to be one value, but here is where I want a color change. Um, a couple of my mentors have always said, we have millions of colors, but we only have 10 values. And that is so true. You have a million colors, but you only have 10 values. So we need to like be very, very hoardish, if you will. We don't want to. We don't want to spend a value if we don't have to. And if you look at a lot of the masters, 
that have, that are painting, you'll look at their work in black and white and you'll see that they're only using three to four values fetching. There's a couple of his paintings that uh, if it has two values, you know, I, I've seen some of his paintings that have, you know, two values in them and a lot of color change. So um, download some of the old masters and turn them into black and white photos and, and you'll be amazed at um, how little value, how, how little values they use, you know, three, four, five at the most, I think, uh, is what you'll see. And, it, and if you look at your early work, um, go back and turn some of your really, really early work, those miles of paintings of canvas that you painted. Um, look at those and see how many values you used. <laughs> I looked at mine. Uh, you know, I, I think if I could create something that was 12 values, I probably <laughs> would have done it when I was first starting out. So I, so I paint the value study, uh, the grayscale, if you will, um, trying to stay to a maximum of four values. And uh, then when that's done, uh, while I'm painting that, I'm thinking about what color am I going to use here? And am I going to make a color shift here? And, you know, is this a warm or a cool area? What colors are going to go into here? So I'm constantly answering, uh, asking myself a number of questions while I'm going through that. And then the rest of it becomes easy. I pick up my palette knives and I start mixing color. And then I put down the color. It's like a paint by number almost. I put down the right value of a color in the right area. And then those places where I noted I wanted to make a color shift, I make that color shift. And, um, you know, the painting pretty much paints itself because during the value study during the grayscale I was you know basically painting it in color in my mind so I know where I want it you know particular colors to be um, my students will tell you that I change it every time <laughs> that I paint on my painting and I do change things if I don't like something I will change it um, I've basically graduated out of the oh my gosh this is so precious I can't touch it um, attitude. It, it's not precious anymore. Now it's a, a more of a discovery and, and an exploration. What happens if I do this? And that's the same for writing too. What happens if I change this scene and say, you know, Barker does something really, really sinister here. And how can I insert this character here? I haven't really you know, done much with them and I need to bring them back into the story and keep them alive. So how do I do that? So there's always constant exploration that is going on. Um, so after I get done with placing in pretty much the foundational colors, then I'll, you know, I'll pump up, you know, where the, uh, the focus is in the painting and, you know, I'll look at my edges and maybe I'll soften one or, or make one harder or, you know, you know, do some, uh, lost and found edges or, you know, maybe I'll add another color in somewhere because I really want something to pop. Um, you know, where do the highlights go? Do I have too many of them? You know, all of those questions start coming in. Uh, the majority of the time that you're painting, most of the time you're probably standing back looking at the painting and, you know, a few brush strokes, a few palette knife strokes, and then you, you're standing back there and you're looking at the painting again. Was that good? Was that not good? Um, so lots and lots of looking. It's the same way with writing. Lots and lots of thinking. Did I do, do, did I want to do this here? Do, what happens if I push this to the second plot twist and of the book and not the first plot twist? And um, what happens if I open the book this way? Where does it leave me? You know, how, how can I, how can I make this more interesting? Um, it's the same question with the painting. How can I make this more interesting? Um, once I 
think that both are done, the painting and or the thing, you know, they, the, the painting sits in, and dries for a while. And it's amazing how many times I've had it drying in the studio and then looked at it and went, oh my gosh, where, how did I miss that big mistake? You know, then I fix that and then it's got to sit and dry a little bit longer. So, um, again, I, I've said before, the creative processes are so similar. Um, definitely um, the same for me anyway. So that's um, pretty much, I think, what I want to talk about today. I hope um, my telling you a couple of different tools that I use in writing um, helps you out. Um, couple different, I mean, I think everybody knows by now what I use, what my tools are in painting. Michael Harding paints, um, linen canvas, uh, palette knives, Rosemary's brushes, um, some Raphael brushes as well. And um, if I'm with my palette knives, I really don't use any type of turpentine or medium or anything because I can usually get the paint where I want it to go with my palette knife. I guess the next time I talk to you, I'll talk to you why I went from using brushes exclusively to palette knives. It'd probably be an interesting discussion for you guys to, to hear that one, too. Um, that's about it for now. I probably will not record over the weekend. Um, so you guys all have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Bye, everyone.